You're listening to The Product Edge, and I'm Jade Bennett, Australia's leading product management recruitment expert, founder of Middleton Executive, and a professional development and mindset coach. In this podcast, I take you on a journey into the minds of exceptional product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers. In each episode, I introduce you to experts in their field, and my mission is to help every product professional level up and reach their full potential by providing you with the skills, insights, and tools that you need to excel in your career and gain your product edge. Joining me today is Tom Dyson. Tom is the head of product at JobAdder with over 10 years of experience building and growing B2B SaaS solutions. Tom thinks that the best way to make great products is to find a balance between art, science, and strategic management. He passionately claims that product management is the best job in the world. Tom has had the good fortune to live and work in several countries around the world and now calls Sydney home with his wife and two-year-old son. Welcome to the Product Edge, Tom. Great. Thanks to me. Lovely to be here. Fantastic. So look, Tom, I'm just going to put it out there from from the get-go. I am a huge super fan of JobAdder. Having been in recruitment for over two decades, I've used heaps of recruitment software. JobAdder is by far the best. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So look, the, the dream of a great product manager or product leader has to be to create loyal customers. But JobAdder, in my opinion, has done something different. You've created raving fans and that to me, is pretty special. I can tell you that I've sold your product so many times. Um, I can't even count the number of people that I know, both agency side and internal talent acquisition teams that I've advocated job added to that now use the product and love it as much as I do. What's your secret sauce? (laughs) That's a tough one. Uh, First of all, Jade, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I'm delighted to be here and try and share some kind of wisdom to your listeners, if I can. Um, second of all, there's nothing more exciting than talking to a customer on a podcast such as this, uh, who's just said that about our product. Um, you know, the reason I joined Job Adder way back in 2016 was I was speaking to the founder, Brett, and I was interested. I wasn't really actively looking for a role, but I remember researching Job Adder. I had no idea about the recruitment industry. Look, I knew product and you had to build technology. And I read these reviews and I blew my mind. I was like, what, what's going on with this product? It was we were a small company at the time, and the reviews on anywhere you looked were just this raving, we love this play, we love job adder, we think it's the best thing in the world. And I was like, this, this, is, this is crazy, because I come from a product that was good, but you know, it was hard to get raving reviews, and it was an advertising agency product in the brand world. It was harder to get that. You had to eke that out. So what have we done? I, you know what? I think it's, it's a mixture of things. I think it's it's deep love of the industry from the start, and it, it was built from people who worked in the industry from the start, and therefore had a deep empathy for what the users needed to do every day and the stress they were under. Therefore, you had to build a product that solved a little bit of that stress by taking any admin out of the day, right? Making it easier to do your jobs better and therefore perform better and therefore make more money. And I think job adder over time has just doubled down as best we can on the kind of customer first thinking and thinking really hard about, look, what are the the things that really matter? Not the the funky little features here and there, but it's the, and you know what? The things that get told us more than ever, just get rid of the clicks. It's like we had, we've had campaigns over the year just saying to the PMs, let's see if we can 
kill a few more clicks out of a process. Because of the number of things recruiters are doing in a day and the pressure they're under, if you add two clicks to a process, we hear like we hear about it. They're like, oh my God, my, I literally can't do my job anymore, Joe, but you need to fix this now. We're like, oh, wow, we thought we'd improved it, but we've added one extra moment. So I think it's, it's caring about that, but also our customer. We've got some insane customer support people and recruiters like to talk, right? And especially those who've got smaller businesses need a little bit more handholding over time. Like, again, the reason I joined was they just love who job matter are, the people behind it and talking to them and, and the care our teams give back to say, not just this is how to use a product, but hey, this is what others are doing and this is how we can help you become better in your business. So I think there's a, there's a whole piece around customer care and customer empathy and customer first thinking. Absolutely. And I chuckled when you said recruiters love to talk. I think as a customer base, we, it must be a double-edged sword for you guys. Like you get great feedback, but it must drive you equally crazy. Yeah, <laughs> but we've had, we've had the other side of it. But you know what that is? I think there's many PMs I speak to who who cry out for user feedback. And it, it can often, it's like getting blood from a stone. You're always looking for, how, hey, can somebody point me in the direction of a couple of users who can give me some feedback? We do anything one way or the other, and we hear about it very quickly. And because the world of LinkedIn exists, which is basically the um, the forum for anything related to anything recruitment, it gets loud pretty quick. So I've been in two or three or four <laughs> releases over the past six years where I've made mistakes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we got that very wrong. And they've just, I think that's 300 customers have told us in less than a minute of it going live that we need to change it. <laughs> so, it, But it shows passion and love both sides, which I love. Absolutely. And you said something really interesting a second ago, which which I'll just go back to. You said about job adder being built with subject matter experts. It was built by people that understood the, the industry and, and the challenges and therefore had the empathy. Is that something you think is really at the core of successful product management coming from sort of that SME, sort of, yeah, SME background? I, th- I think getting, you've got to be able to understand your customer. Like you've got to know, and look, I came in not knowing anything about recruitment. I had friends in recruitment. I have a sort of sister-in-law who's in recruitment. And so I, but I found the nature of great PMs is curiosity. One of the key traits of is that insatiable desire to understand deeper than anything else. So if I, if I can find, it's very hard to test someone for curiosity, but you can sort of see it and how they work. But going in and going, right, well, I don't understand why, what is the world of contingent versus retained? Why do we have 10, but what are the, all these words and why do they work this way? If I get someone who then deeply goes in and understands that, then if you can really start understanding, then you can start to empathize and then spend time with. You can build the right out. You can build the right things for the right problems. And so you don't necessarily have had to have done the job. I don't believe you do because I haven't, and I hope that I'm doing an all right job. But it's about deeply understanding the problem and then putting your product mindset to help somebody whose job isn't a product manager to build software and translating that. I just really want to be able to publish this job to somewhere here. Oh, but why do you want to do that? How to solve this? And it's really digging in and, and, and having that, as I say, furiously curious mentality mentality from the word dot. Instead of just going, you know what? Uh, I get it. I'm just going to build this feature based off this little bit of feedback we've got. And you go, but why, why are they doing that? Why have they asked for that? And what's, the, what's the much deeper reason that drives that business reason for them? 
Absolutely. And I'm thinking there about, you know, you're talking about curiosity and when someone is in the job, you you can see that. How do you identify that through an interview process or from CVs and when you're hiring? You know, it's really, really hard. I think you look for, I think, first and foremost, I read something really interesting recently. Like hiring product managers, they're a multi-skill set, right? You can be different types of product managers, all sorts of different types. So A, you're going to understand your team. And you've got to look for the right type of skill to join your team. But the interviewing for curiosity is more about you're looking for agency, right? High agency people. There's a lot of articles about high agency. If they've got the, the, the desire to make something happen rather than, oh, I might not do that because of X, but, oh, I might do that just because I need to see if I can get it to work. You've got this kind of mindset which pushes forward, which tries to make something happen. And generally, I'm not saying that's going to lie, I would align that more with somebody who's got more agency, more initiative, more desire to solve and therefore potentially have more curiosity. But it's a really hard one, right? Like you've got to ask some really smart questions to get to say, oh, yeah, you've got curiosity versus "Mm, you don't. And it's like, I I think curiosity comes with, and I think think everybody is curious, but you've got to understand, you've got to care about something, right? So I think. Related to it is the trying to make sure that the person you're interviewing, I say this thing a lot. I say, give a shit. And it's because I, we built a product in our other than once upon a time, once upon a time called a gas score, the give a shit score. Like if you give a shit, and I apologize for my language, it's Australia after all. <laughs> uh, if you give a shit, you're going to be more curious. And if you care about the problem, you're going to be more curious to understand the people who you're trying to solve for. So it's a really, it's about finding out whether they care about the job and not just the job, but the thing they're solving for and they're going to be helping. Absolutely. And I think that's why hiring product managers is is so challenging because there is a lot of that sort of ambiguity and adaptive skills and soft skills that you're trying to to unearth. But I like um, your high agency um, point there. In your mind, Tom, what does great product management look like? It's, I, I thought about this. Now, great product management is great outcomes for your customer, right? Is happy customers in my world. And, and customers is broad because customers is someone such as yourself who uses a like product. Um, but then there's someone such as my finance team, someone such as my marketing team, the product market team, or the whoever it might be in the business. So the CEO who's saying we need to achieve these results. So great product management is able to define fundamentally what who pays our bills to our customers and therefore making them extremely happy and do what you do and sing the praise of the product on our behalf, which is the perfect thing we want to build in product, which is product-led sales. But once you've done that, you've got to align it. You can't just build amazing features that cost a fortune to implement and then go, hey, that's a free feature. And then the CEO comes over and goes, um, so CFO is talking to me saying, that's quite a pricey feature. Oh, yeah, but we've made a really happy customer. Oh, yeah, but we're probably going to go bankrupt next month because you've just given away this, oh, yeah, I didn't really think about making money as making a sustainable business out of that. I just thought we were making a really happy community. And like, you've got to be able to balance that. And sometimes that's really, really hard because all you want to do, if you're a really good product manager and you care deeply about the customer, i.e. the user, you just want to give them the best of the best. And I've been in that. And often you get product, the, the best product manager is able to see that commercial and be quite 
black and white instead of just thinking customer first, which is what we've got to do. But otherwise, if you don't think the business side, you aren't going to have a job in six months. And our customers are going to be so upset because they don't have a solution to work with because everything was given away or built in a really cost and efficient way. So that's just one area. But it's that balancing, understanding who all your customers are, making them all happy. And you said there about keeping your customers happy, pleasing your customers, but then also building a business and and creating a sustainable business, which may mean charging for for new features and and new product offering. Do do you think that the current macro condition sort of we're all facing globally is is putting more pressure on product teams to actually deliver more revenue ROI or value for for products and business teams? Look, I think what's fascinating about the, the current climate and if you've been reading lots of articles into uh, tech companies, and well, we all have, because I've got many friends who've been impacted by the redundancies. But the the drive now to get away from this free-for-all, build and build and build and build, and eventually revenue will come, and then eventually we'll have a black balance sheet instead of a red balance sheet. Um, now... And we've always thought this, and Jogoda was really good. And like we've we've gone through it. We've done a pretty damn good job of staying very, you know, sticking to a good business plan and making sure we have a manageable business and a very happy customer base. But I think more and more you're seeing you're going to see companies, and I think we're seeing it now. Go right. We need to be smart here, and this isn't just build for millions of users, but build for whatever your strategy is, but whilst building smart, i.e., cost effectively. And they're not just going crazy and spending money on everything without a worry about that and just going, oh, but we're going to have, you know, 10,000 more customers next year. So they'll just pay for it and we'll be fine. And it's like, nah. So I think this is a fascinating time in tech growth. And I think it's great, in fact, for my team to be able to say, them, we've got to be smart. You need to build effectively and efficiently. And I think that's a very good thing to anybody in this world, especially those people who run their own businesses will know. Yeah, you can't just, you, you've got to be making some money to spend some money. And it, it doesn't just, there isn't just money grows on trees like it kind of has done with the tech industry who have given $500 million in investment. Oh, great, let's not worry. Let's have parties and, and, and all kinds of yoga rooms and table tennis tables everywhere for the sake of a happy place and not actual profitability. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, do you think if, if I'm sitting here as a product manager now thinking about the future of my career and, and upskilling, would you say commercialization of product and understanding the commercials of product management is something that product managers should focus more on and really build their skills going forward? I think it's a key trait to grow as a peer. To get, to, if you want to go up into senior product management, you've got to understand an element of financials and get curious into it. Like I've, my career it's been very weird and I've come through all different roles and I started out as a graduate and worked with a finance manager who taught me how to basically run pivot tables and spreadsheets, which fascinated me. Um, but it all led to a curious curiosity with numbers as well, right? Because I, I deeply love the data side of things and how that drives. And I think PMs need to have, and not every, they shouldn't beat themselves up. They go, well, I'm not naturally an, a, a sort of analytical minded PM. That is fine but you should have an element of it to be able to understand how you can get someone to help you with the stuff you can't do. That's fine. But be able to talk to and present to it. Cause if you can't talk to the underlying economics of your product, 
you're not going to be able to convince those that you're a senior and then maybe manage a group and then manage a whole product sort of ecosystem within a giant ecosystem, right? So I think it's a it's a key trait. And commercial, it's a big broad topic, right? It's it's underlying what it costs to use a certain API in your product versus what do we charge and how do we segment and then how do we market to and all of the cost of acquisition, all of that stuff. You've got to unpick it, find your bits that interest you and sort of try and learn a bit here and there. But it's very important. Definitely. And and that leads me on to think about the career or the skills that you acquire as a product manager as you as you grow and, and your career develops. And um I've been talking a lot recently with product leaders about capability matrix and, and career pathways. This is something that you've um been involved in at Job Addo as well, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I've got to give credit to A, the industry as a, as a whole, because there's all kinds of amazing stuff being written by um, Adrian Tan and Nick Costa at the product management community there. They've done a great one through to, you know, our design team at Job Adder. And there's a guy, Hector Serrano and Corinne Chedere, both worked on about three years back a design skills framework, which was wonderful, right? It was, it followed a traditional, these are the skills we need. They did a workshop amongst the team. And that's what we ended up doing to decide what are our pillars and what are the skills that matter to product and job adder. And then what happens is we implemented the, we call it the job adder, I call it recently the product skills assessment. Job adder, we do it every quarterly or something, right? And each PM rates each other on the skills we've all defined as a team. And I recently did a talk on this. A lot of people were like, well, I, this is unusual. This is a, this is cool. Uh, we just, the manager normally rates the, the, the PM and the PM works for the manager. It's not peer reviewed. And this is what our design team sort of pioneered this way of you write the list, you share it to the team. And as long as you've worked together six months or more, you can rate the other person on these skills. And then the skills come back to the manager. They, I would aggregate it and share the average back to the person, the PM. So they've got their score and they've got the team, what they score. And you get this lovely, either positive or negative view of the team versus their score. And it's a it's like implementing the, the the frameworks that Nick and Adrienne have talked about in their community, but you're getting the teams. You need a team big enough to do it, but getting the teams to review themselves. Because then once they review themselves, there's no kind of like, oh, you told me this, or you said this. No, because it's aggregated. Um, and then it's about how, what does that mean? Then you review it and I review it with them. And then we determine how we grow and where we grow in the next 12 months based off their goals, where they want to grow as a PM, but what we need to do as a, as a team in job. Amazing. So you really use it as a, a learning and development tool to, to push your people forward. Amazing. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. A hiring. It's a hiring tool as well. So our goal, the, the design team launched it. I went and because I worked very closely with our head of design and I said I wanted to back that up and I'd implement it for the product team. And we know that our people and culture team are now looking at it across the business going, we need to implement this across the business because then we understand as a business where our skills are at and actually peer-reviewed skills, not just managers saying you're good at not enough. Because managers not working day in, day out with those people. So then you can go, well, who do we need to hire? What do we need to hire? Well, that's a fascinating path to go. Amazing, definitely. And have you, and I guess out of curiosity, have you seen much disconnect between how an individual rates themselves versus how the team rates themselves? Or is there sort of parity and, and consistency? Yeah, I had this question the other day when I showed a highlight 
a, a graphic of the overall view of the team. And it's really fascinating because it's kind of, it gets down into, you get into sort of psychology of individuals and, and, and you get this, you get certain behavior types and whether, and if you did it across the whole product industry, it'd be fascinating to see the types of brains and people have and whether you're more ego, not in product and whether you're empathetic and you should be. So in general, people would underscore themselves versus what their teams are. In general, sometimes they would overscore themselves, right? So that's really interesting. And I, I, our score, and I'll be happy to say, it, we were like five out of eight. That's where we sit to politics. We brutally assess ourselves, and I'd say that's about right. Eight is like insane expert intercom, product, like Google, crazy people doing amazing things. And we're doing a pretty damn good job, but we've got a lot to do. Um, and the team sometimes would be up in sevens and down in the threes based on where they thought each other. So it's, a, it's an interesting one. And I would then talk to each, through their skill reviews with each one of them and ask them what they thought of that. Because actually, if the team is ranking you down and you're ranking yourself, let's say, a six, and the team says you're five or four, you're going to go, well, I, I haven't demonstrated. I'm actually good at that. Well, let's work on that in the next quarter. Let's think of a presentation or something you can do to prove to the team and the business you're, you can do that. Because obviously you think you can. And we've now implemented a, a Friday. One option for them is we have this thing called the yarning, um, a yarning based off the First Nations kind of idea of a yarning circle where you share stories. And the product and business analysis team get together and tell a, one person will tell a story about something they've done in the past four, nine, or one that relates to a key skill they're looking to grow. And then when we look at our sort of quarterly reviews, people can go, what have I learned from so-and-so? Oh, and they did a really good presentation about commercial analysis or prioritization framework. And they're going to go, all right, well, maybe I'm going to score them a bit higher. Because moving higher and moving up is we're going to make it hard, but people need to be able to know where to focus and this helps them. That sounds like a really mature product team and product capability. Has have you seen that positively impact your retention and, and people obviously staying and and progressing their careers through job better. Yeah, well, what's interesting is the team are loving it, right? And we've, we've introduced it really in the last, I guess, six to nine months. We've got it to a point where I'm happy the team have worked long enough together for them to do the review. And now tying it together with 12-month 12, 12 goals and things like that, it, they're loving, they, like, they do like that, right? We've got more to do. We need to iterate on the skills, et cetera. In terms of retention, we've been lucky. Yes, the team have been together for a while now, and we haven't had any uh, attrition. Um, but in the past, I've had some senior product managers, and with the nature of the size of our business, and I talk to certain levels, right? You can get small product, very small, small, medium, and the big, large, and the enterprise size, where there's career growth options. And if I've got product managers who want to go on and manage people, not manage products, then there's very, we're limited at job owner because really we've got a single track and it goes up, you know, product manager, associate product, senior product, head of product, CPO, CEO, right? We're growing and we're planning on bringing a secondary line. We're working on the business to make sure that you can have a people leader manager stream, but allow product managers who don't want to manage because I don't want people managing who don't want to manage because it's a whole different kettle of fish is allow them to be individual um, contributors. Because I love this idea of a distinguished product manager. Like the best of the best of the best. You can put them in any company and they'll just nail out the best product releases you've ever seen. 
and they want to get paid well for that. And they should almost get paid better than managers. They should do, really. And, and do you already have that distinguished PM role? Because that's a, a couple of people have mentioned that to me recently. And I guess it comes down to the conversation around product career pathways and, and that conversation maturing and organizations looking at it. Um, what does that look like in, in job adder? We're not there yet. I, I would love to be there, right? We've got a few le- levels to go. We're at the kind of, we've got associate, mainly PMs, really product manager, senior product manager and head of, which is where I'm at, right? We want to go beyond that and start looking at the idea of a lead. And then you've got the director, product director levels, right? And then distinguish is really the last stage of growth. You need to have a big, you don't, you need to have a really mature team to get to the point of distinguish. I, I guess we could do, but right now we don't. And I, but I presented the team going, this is, a, this is the path I would love us to go. And as a business, if job adder continue to grow as we're doing, which we should, we're going to need to have this framework um, and allow product managers to hit those levels, to be paid the right amount and to be valued the right amount, rather than feeling like, oh, job adder is stuck here. I'm going to get off. I go to Atlassian or off I go to Can or else I go where else, right? Um, so we're enabling that, but I'm making sure the team knows that this is where we're at right now. And if they do want to move, I'm always saying, guys, let me know. Like, I'm here to help you get the best product management degree you can. And if they're hitting a layer level, I'm just going to go, right, well, where else can we find you? That's fine. Um, because my job as their manager is to make sure their careers go crazy. Um, and whether that's a job at a great, but if I can't have it at job at a, then I've got to help them find it elsewhere. I love that mentality, um, Tom, of, of supporting your people, whether that's within the business or outside the business. Managing your career as a product manager can be quite difficult because, yeah, as, as you've said, not all businesses are the size that have these distinguished roles or leadership positions. What, what would be your advice for product managers when they're sat there thinking, you know, how do I take charge of my career? What, what can they do? I, 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 first up, understand what you want. And I, I used it the other day, and there's plenty of people talking about product manage yourself before you product manage anything else. Um, everyone should do that, right? Because to be honest, I say it to people who are like, oh, I'd love to get into product. I go, do you write documents? They're like, yeah, do I write emails? Right. Well, every single one of those is a product in some sense because you've got a, you've got a viewership. You've got a user at the other end who's trying to, you're trying to make, get an outcome from them. So whether it's a document, a podcast, whether, we're all creating products. We just haven't really wrapped it up in this idea of product management framework. And we're all creating things that some things we love to do more than others. Oh, I love creating Excel spreadsheets so that so-and-so can review. Cool, that's a product. You've built it to do something for someone else to look at. So understanding what it is you love doing day in, day out, you know, not necessarily a job, just the things you like producing, the things you like, people you like to work with, where you like to work. Starts helping you understand, great, well, they're the things, and they're the things that matter to me. Is it values? Is it, is it money? Is it prestige? Is it all those things? And mapping that out first helps you then decide, right, what type of roles are there and what type of companies and where might they be that I'm going to work towards? Now, in product, if you really go, right, well, product is the perfect gig, but I can't find any roles at a low level enough for me to get in, which is often the way, right? You've got to be creative. You've got to be smart. You've got to go, well, we often hire up through the business. We've got a conveyor belt. We love people who come through support. We love people who've done implementations because they live and breathe our customers. And if they show this kind of initiative, the agency to go, 
hey, look, I just love this implementation because I problem solve customers' problems, but I really want to get into products. I really want to build the solution, not just have to try and always ask for feature requests. Kind of thing. Now, what does that mean for somebody who's just outside of any business? Then look for associated roles. Look for things that you might have to work to. We can't just jump into products and just expect to be paid good money and build great things. You need to have shown some sort of agency to get through. And it might be looking at some sort of customer success roles. It might be product marketing roles. It might be business analysis roles. Um, because all of those lead you to be a certain type of product manager. So it's understand you, be really curious and open your mind up to other roles that where obviously go to roles where there's it's a software and they've got product managers because then you can work your way in. But you've got to sometimes be patient. Things don't just come immediately. So product manage yourself in your career. I like that. I like that. Um, so you shared with me, Tom, that one of your greatest achievements professionally is um, being part of the transition from a founder-led business to a customer-led business at JobAdder. Talk to me about that. What does that look like? No, I, it fascinating journey. And I should say, it's always been a customer-led. That's been me on the founder. I used to an insane job building JobAdder from the early days of nothing to where it was when I joined. And there was what do we have, like 5,000 recruiters using the system? So I, it's unfair to say it wasn't customer-led then, but what it was was you're moving from a business, and if you're a PM and you work this what you like, you want to go into a slightly chaotic, there's not really a structure. It's just we've got to build, 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 because more customers are saying we need this, 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 and this, and you're, you're going into a kind of feature factory. And look, people, that's a horrible place to be as a PM when you were in a mature place. But it's a great learning ground to understand what doesn't work and what does work. And feature factories are just literally, we've got to build this, move on to the next, build this, move on to the next. There's no care about what all the stuff you then, the features you build. You just build a V1 and off you go. And the customer's left going, why does it not do that? It's like, oh, we never quite finished it. We had to get the next thing out. And Jobado had to do that in order to grow, right? It was build feature after feature because it started with just job posting, like the ability to post ads. And then it built out from there going, that's my job adder is job ads. And then it was like customers going, oh, but we need to manage the applications and we need to be able to add notes and we need to be able to, you know, track and see the resumes. We need to share the resumes with clients. We need to track feedback from those. We like to schedule interviews. And you're going to, you can imagine the feedback the community was giving. And it was like, oh God, we need to, we need to fill all these gaps. And then my, and then as it progressed and I struggled with, because I came in and I had a very strong founder, very strong founder. Um, who believed that he knew the industry like back of his hand. So he was the SME. And he was like, no, this is how it should be done. This is, and he had to sort of believe it. And often he was right. Sometimes it was not perfect. Um, and it was, it, that was hard because if you believed in product, you were like, well, we need to research this a bit more. We can't just, you know, assume that's the, just the problem they're trying to solve. And a lot of times it was like, I wish we had spent, you know, just a couple of weeks asking a few more questions or, trying to do a month on a bit of design research, a bit of UX research, a bit of prototyping. And it took a long time to get there. And it really, it had to get to a point where the founders had to move away because it was there. It was very hard for founders to let go of the thing that they built, understandably, right? And allow, in a sense, me and my team and my design team at the time, and now not my design, they were just peers, to really go right Let's look at what we need to solve for, what are customers are asking, business needs, and let's plan to build things really well, not just tick, tick, tick. And that's a, it's a hard journey, but it's a fascinating journey to go on, and I'm really proud of where JobAdder is now and some of the stuff we're starting to 
build for customers is just stunning and beautiful and it's getting simpler and simpler because we're able to really work smart and build the most beautiful interface. I think it's going to, like, if you give it 12 months, Java is going to be insane. And I can't wait to get all the cool stuff out. And it comes down to what you said before. It's just removing those clicks. You know, I say to my team on a daily basis, it's the 1%. It's those little 1% that make our job easier, that make us more effective because we're spending our time on something else, a higher value activity. Um which job edit is doing amazing. What what's next? You're talking about sort of the next 12 months. What what can you share with us? What's coming next? So we've got a lot. And if you use job edit, you'll notice there's a few user interfaces that look old and some look new. And this is a classic conundrum all like 10, 12, 15 year old companies go through like we build in a certain code, then you've got to upgrade. And so if you use the candidates area and if you're using the new jobs area, you'll get a feel for what it feels like. We're about to launch an amazing new thing called Temp Express. So if you have temp books or you have a temp desk, it's a way to optimize your work workforce. And it gives you this stunning visualization of basically who's working, who's about to finish working, who's qualified to work on a job. It's a really quick way to solve for what we're calling the lower volume kind of temp, not the high complex, which gets crazy. I've got to fill 50 roles in the next half an hour that are really compliant heavy at we're going to get there. That's our plans. We're launching this amazing thing. It's going to come towards that early April. Um, like it's ridiculous. It's like this beautiful UI that you'll know if you know candidates, but it's even better because it has like these beautiful hover files. It means no clicks. It shows you the most recent note. So you can make an action right then and there. And it's all based on deep custom research, and constant prototyping with those people who are running temp tests. So that is the most exciting stream of work we're doing right now and is about to come to light. And I think it's going to blow people's minds. Then we're just upgrading. We want to get that interface to be so beautiful and consistent. So you're looking at your companies, your contact records, your job records, your candidate records, your application records, your placement records. They will all work exactly the same and be so easy to edit and update and manage. Uh, that and brand new event scheduling because we're rerunning interviewing because no one uses interviews enough because it doesn't work well enough. So right now, the team working on an awesome brand new interview UX, um, which means you can connect clients and candidates yourself so much easier. It seems like no-brainer stuff, right? Um, we're doing it and getting it done. Amazing. I can't wait to see all of that because that's <laughs> a lot of support for everything we do. Um, and before you came on, Tom, I asked you what's obviously your achievements and what's the biggest obstacle you've overcome? And your answer was hippos. What did you mean by hippos? I think in any product manager's life, you've got to overcome, and this is a classic style. Hippos is just one. It's the higher paid person in the room, right? The person who shouts the loudest needs, I need to build this. You're like, ah, it's the fear. And you can read thread after thread on Twitter, on LinkedIn, wherever, of product managers' nightmares of people saying, well, sorry, we just got to build it. And you're going, well, that's that, that's crazy. We shouldn't do that. That's, that's going to six months delay the most important thing we're going to build for our customers. Um, and overcoming that is no easy feat for a junior PM, right? You've got to understand how you manage somebody who's just saying, build it now, got to get it out. Sorry, no questions asked. Um, <laughs> so many people will go, okay, I, my job's online now, I'll build that, fine. But you've got hippos, but you've got their, their kind of intern, you get the CEO at the time or whoever it might be, founder saying, got to build it, build it now, done. Or you've got the highest paid customer going, sorry, you said, you should be, we, we should have, have this amazing feature. 
and we're going no no. So in the job out of, in the past might have had a bit more of a tendency to maybe sell in a way that implied to customers, oh, we're going to have this amazing feature. But we fought really hard to say, look, we build this amazing solution to solve recruitment problems because we live and breathe it every day. Do you please trust us that we talk to so many people and we do understand it's not great in many areas and we want to do it all. But if we get somebody coming in over the top and saying, you must build a all singing, all dancing, chat GPT powered client module that lets my client brief me using chat because you've got to and we're going to pay you all this money. That's a scary thing for product manager. Now, it would be wrong for me to say in some situations it makes sense, but in very, very few. It's where they've got oodles of money and they can say, Tom, you can have five more engineers to build that. And I'll go, yeah, but it still doesn't align with anything we're doing. So it's still, if we ever do anything like that, it has to align to all our customers, not all our customers must benefit. But overcoming that, and I have had to in my career, that, that the voice of, and I now learn because I will never say that to my peers. I will never say, you've got to go and do this. Because I was just like, I'm just not in that detail. I know I feel like I get the industry, but you guys are in it day in, day out chatting. It's your job to prioritize. Your job, it's your responsibility. You're empowered to build what you think and prove to me and people above me that that's the right thing to do. I am glad you clarified that for me because I had images of you on a safari safari being chased by hippos for your life. So I'm glad you clarified. (laughs) (laughs) Would be weird. (laughs) Tom you've been amazing thank you so much for sharing your story with us how can we stay connected with you you can get me on LinkedIn just go to Dyson Tom and the same on Twitter Dyson Tom Dyson Tom is just what I use everywhere so find that in you'll find me excellent and then lastly what would be your one piece of advice for product managers stay curious like but again find what you love and if you don't love the problem you're solving, move on. There's plenty of problems out there. There's plenty of different things out there, but build something you care about. Care about the end customer and care for the job they're doing. Hence why we're here, because we want to make happier people live happier lives and be able to pay their bills and have happy everything. Because if people have got happy jobs, they've got happy lives. Absolutely. That is our motto at Middleton Exec for sure. Tom, you've been absolutely amazing. It's been great talking to you and getting more insight into what it's like to be part of the product team at at JobAdder. As I said, I'm a raving fan. Love the product. Can't wait to see what comes next. So uh, thank you for coming on the Product Age, Tom. My pleasure um, and lovely to chat, Jade. Thank you for listening to the Product Edge brought to you by Middleton Executive. You can head to theproductedge.com.au to subscribe to Australia's number one podcast for all things product management. I would love for you to subscribe, rate and leave us a review. Until next time, I look forward to introducing you to more product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators and hustlers who will share their insights and experiences to help you level up and reach your full potential.